Good morning. Praise the Lord. Good to see all the guests here today. Thank you, Brother John, for, for the exhortation. I wrote a few notes down. Do you have scars? Do we have scars from the Lord? And what do these scars serve? They build long-suffering. We cannot, we cannot get long-suffering without suffering. Nobody wants to hear that. I don't either. But the Lord allows it in our lives because he loves us. And if he doesn't, whom the Lord love it, he chasten it. And he who is fatherless, who has a father that doesn't scourge him. So let's open up with, with prayer again. Father, we invite you again into our presence. We thank you for the word that you have given us thus far. Father, help us to have open hearts and minds, to be obedient, Father, and to take these words to heart. Father, that we might bear fruit for eternity. Father, that we might be um, active and alive parts of your kingdom, to be uh, living stones in your kingdom, not dead ones. Father, we pray that each one of us may find a part in the kingdom of God to be active in. No matter what it is, no matter how small it is, that we be active, Father, in the gifts that you've given each one of us in the kingdom of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I have, too, a, a simple message for you this morning. And <clears throat> it's on the heels of Brother Richard's message he shared last week. Um, such a powerful message. I'm, I'm still thinking about it a week later. About take ease and sit down and relax in the kingdom of God. Can we do that? Can we say that? Can we enjoy that anymore? After everything we've heard, everything the Lord has done in our lives, can we take ease and sit back and enjoy life. And I thought about it all through the week. And Brother Richard wasn't talking about that we cannot enjoy life anymore. But God gives us new interests, new joys. Amen. We can enjoy our family. We can enjoy time together. We can laugh. We can spend time with the brotherhood. We can even fish. For the right purpose. Maybe, maybe we don't go out by ourselves anymore. Maybe we'll invite a younger brother and spend time with him. Instead of doing it by ourselves. God has given to us all things to enjoy. That they need to be brought under the reign of God. And, and God will show you what that means. You will just be struck one day doing something, and it will dawn on you, hey, what am I doing here? What am I doing? And that's a blessing when the Lord can show us these things, and no brother has to reign over you and say, this you cannot do. And sometimes we have to do that too, as brothers in love. It's a, it's a, it's a fine line, but it has to be done in love. Otherwise, you will push that brother away. And it would take time to bring him back again. Okay, my 
message today is sharing the responsibility of the Lord's Church. Sharing the responsibility of the Lord's Church. And I want to picture, paint a picture in your mind of a great house. And in that great house, there are many rooms. And in that great house, there's a father and a mother and a great multitude of children. And in that house, there's a lot of work to be done. And just, you all have houses, you all know the, the work that is required in that house to do on practical level. There's cleaning to do, there's washing dishes, taking the clothes down, tending to the children, uh, bathing the children, and all manner of different things to do. And mom, unfortunately, has to do most of that. But as the children get bigger, and an understanding and loving husband would also see the challenges and take partake of these responsibilities. And pretty soon mom can have the children help do these chores, and the, the work is not all in, on her. That's the way it should be done. The responsibility of this great house, that's my point, does not belong solely on the mom. It belongs to everyone. And a, and a, a house that is in peace will have these responsibilities delegated and they will all partake. And you know, it will be to the children their house. To the dad, it's, it's their house. It belongs to us. And they have taken responsibility of that house and it's theirs, and they take pride in it, and they help keep it clean, and they do all the chores willingly. And, yeah, this is speaking wishful thinking a lot of times, but this is the way, this is the picture I want to paint. And as a church, it is all of our responsibilities. And this is uh, the simple message I want to bring out today. And we'll start in Matthew chapter 16 today share a few verses in Matthew chapter 16 starting in verse 13 when Jesus 16 13 when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea in Philippi he asked his disciples saying whom do men say that the, that the son of man am that I the son of man am and they said some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elias and others Jeremiah's and or one of the prophets and she said unto them but whom say ye that I am and Simon Peter answered and said thou art Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee but my father which is in heaven and I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and upon this rock I will build whose church? My church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Here he is giving a member of the church responsibility. He is giving it to Peter. And Peter has handed that off to us. We do not worship Peter as having the keys. The church has the keys. Not Peter. It's his church. <clears throat> we will continue reading in Ephesians 5, 22. 
Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Who is the head of the church? Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it may be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it, even as Lord, the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And this paints an awesome picture for us, whose the church is, and how God loved the church. And this is not our church, and I will be repeating this throughout the sermon. It is not our church. Christ said, it is my church. It's God's. Some brothers and sisters in a church seem to think it is the elder's church. It is the preacher's church. He carries the responsibilities. And a lot of members in a church look up to the elders to fix any problems that the church might have. Is that wrong? In thinking that, yes, the four fundamental idea, if you come to the, if you look up to the elders to fix the problems, then yes, you're wrong. And I have a, I'm making a point with this. We elders are elected as mere servants to God's church. And as you go, as we go on this morning, I want you to fully understand what I'm seeing here. Yes, the elders are given the, the responsibility of helping to lead out in the church. But the responsibility, and I want to really cement this into your minds, the responsibility of the church belongs to everyone. It is not the elders' responsibility solely. It will never, it will never work. And, all, and many of you have experienced that. If the elders only are pursuing the church, it will never work. It is everybody's responsibility and all of you have gifts in this church for this purpose I have given four hours last night to prepare this message I am a mere servant of this church and all of you this last week have given your hours to serve the church it might not be standing up here, but you have given your time and your effort. You ladies have taken, given your time and effort in your homes and in the kitchen and to make this possible that all of us are working together for the furtherance of the kingdom. Preparing food, prayer, encouragement, and monetary support through working. Let's not belittle that. Standing up here might be hard for me, but it was also hard for what you did. Um, let's read Colossians 3 together, prayerfully. And listen for practical words of responsibility. And I mean responsibility for all of us. We have all been called to. 
Will these commandments that we read in Colossians 3 happen automatically to, to us Christians, or will it require discipline and work to accomplish them? I think both. If we are born again, these things will be easier, but they will nonetheless not be spontaneous for all of us at the same time. It requires work. It's, it's labors in, in the vineyard. And labors does not mean playing. It means work. It, it requires effort. Let's read it prayerfully. And these are our commandments as brothers and sisters in the kingdom. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek these things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We are dead. We are baptized unto that death. We are risen with Christ. We are now seeking the things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We have, verse 2, set our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3, for we are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Such precious promise. Verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time before, when you lift in them. But now you, are, you also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Verse 9, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, suffering, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave ye, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And that the words of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. As unto the Lord, not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive of the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he had done, and there is no respect of persons. Amen. These verses speak largely on individual responsibilities we have personally as Christians. 
Verse 16 speaks of all men being rich with God's word in order that we may teach and admonish each other in psalms and hymns. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Does that mean the elders? No, it means all of you. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns. Who? All of you. Teaching and admonishing one another. And encouraging each other with hymns and spiritual songs. Verse 17 is speaking about doing our duties not for our work managers, but for God. You're not trying to please anyone. You're trying to please God. All of us hold the responsibility of building God's church. When God ascended into heaven, he gave us all the mandate of spreading the good news of Christ, making us all witnesses that will ultimately further his kingdom and church. If the church succeeds, who is responsible? It is God's spirit at work in its members. You are a member. If the church fails and succumbs to discord, worldliness, and idolatry, who is responsible? The people within that church that failed to carry its responsibility. The blessings of God rests upon a people that take their responsibility serious. God will not honor those who do not honor him. We all carry the responsibility of pulling weeds in God's vineyard. It's a work mindset. If we see weeds, the primary look up to us elders to pull them out. Similarly, it is a false idea to think if, if a plant needs watering in God's vineyard to watch from a distance and wait for proper clergymen to step in and do it. If you have the spirit of discernment to see that that plant needs watering. Perhaps the Lord has also given you the spirit of wisdom to walk up to that brother or sister and help water that plant. And all it takes is a comforting arm around one shoulder, smiling them, asking them how it's going. And I fail in that. And I want you all to I'll take responsibility for that. And we have such opportunities. Revelations 2, 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Each of us personally is part of the problem or the solution in the church we're either living a vibrant member we are either a living vibrant member that's growing or we are part of of the stagnation and deadness everyone wants to be a great contributor of changing the world for christ but nobody wants to change the toilet paper roll what does that mean It means start with doing the simple things in front of you. I've told this story here before. There was this minister that moved to a church. And he knew there was problems, but he didn't know the extent of the problems in that church. But he did it anyway. He moved there and he found that the church was dead. 
Most of the congregation never took responsibility of the church and were constantly bickering and blaming other people for its problems, constantly comparing themselves with each other and saying, I'm better than he is, I'm at least not doing this or that or this, and constantly just bickering. And the pastor was finally frustrated. He decided to have a funeral for the church. Nobody died, but he had a funeral. He got a casket and brought it up front and talked about how badly the church was doing. Now come up, brethren. Come up and see who died, and it's the primary problem. The congregation eagerly lined up to finally see what the pastor thought the problem was. To everyone's dismay, in the casket was a full-length mirror. And each member, and as each member passed by, they got a picture of themselves within the casket. Once they had solemnly sought a dead, problem person, they sat down in bewilderment. The minister then said, Now that we have all seen who the problem is, we can now altogether be part of the solution to fix that problem. And this, brethren, even though we feel like we might not be the problem, that there's somebody else, we have to be, become the problem and put ourselves on the same level as everyone else to help reach that brother or sister. Not to think ourselves as being better, but to each examine ourselves in the light of Christ. Not in the light of how each other, what each others are doing, but in the light of Christ. And all of us in that reflection of Jesus Christ have a lot to do. We might be better than the next person, but how are we in reflection to Jesus Christ? And this is our example. This is how we are to examine ourselves with. There's a story of two boys and a bird. These two boys plotted to outdo an old man who was, who was noted for his great wisdom. They caught a small bird that could be concealed in the hand, and they approached the old man with a question. What do I have in my hand? Why, you have a bird, said a wise man, for I see one of his feathers. Yes, you're right, old man, but is he dead or alive? They had conspired to make certain he was wrong, for if he said dead, they would release the bird and it would fly away. If he said alive, they would crush him and present him dead. The old man knew this, and he simply said, As you will it, boys, as you will it. And they soberly walked away. As you will it. How true is this of so many things in our lives? Will the church keep growing or will it die? As you will it. The personal inner or outward choices you make will determine it. Will your neighbor hear the gospel or go before God unprepared? As you will it. Will I get along with this, with this brother or sister? As you will it. Will the church be friendly or a friendly haven or a cold one? to strangers, as you will it. Will I talk about this brother or sister behind their backs, as you will it. Will I stay pure in heart, as you will it. Will your marriage succeed or struggle, as you will it, and on and on. This illustration does not leave God out of the picture. It simply illustrates our responsibility for what takes place in our lives. We need to quit blaming others and start rationalizing our failures. It's God 
It's God's will that we live faithfully to Him for the best of our ability. What you choose to do is up to you. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest ye also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill ye the law of Christ. If a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoice himself. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. This means that we shouldn't necessarily take man's word for God's word, but to seek God ourselves and see if these things are so. For every man shall bear his own burdens. Every man is responsible for himself before God. No man but himself will answer for his actions, attitude, and thoughts. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that, that teach it in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therewith opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. No matter who you are today, brothers and sisters, do you find yourself with a weight of personal responsibility in the church? The elders in the church are not to be the only active participants of the church. The strength of the local church is dependent on each and every member. As God's messengers, we all carry the responsibility and ownership of the church. A while back I heard this quote, there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian, and some people will never read the first four. My friend Mike from Elmendorf said he recently spent a day with a television advertising guy, and this, this person spent a day with him out in the community, and he was not in a hurry, he just asked a lot of questions. It was after that fire. And he spent the better part of six hours, and he had never heard the gospel. He didn't know the word of God. And in this generation more so, there are many, many people that have never heard the gospel in America. And he was able to share Christ and bring about many discussions in the time that he spent with him. There are some basic but extremely important things we can all do in the church today. And I want to make it very practical. Number one, be a Christian that's alive. You cannot be an asset to the church as a spiritually dead member. Be a Christian that's alive. Take your quiet time serious. Do not neglect the word of God. It is in it as life. Repent. Make personal changes in your life. Have a close brother or sister help you stay accountable to these changes. Pray. Come with a spirit of prayer for the church and its members. Pray for me as I'm standing up here. I need it. Charles Spurgeon's church was known for its revival and spiritual awakenings. 
When people would walk through the new Park Street Church, Spurgeon would take them to a basement prayer room where people were always on their knees interceding for the church. Then the pastor would declare, here is the powerhouse of this church. Never, never, never speak evil about another brother or sister in the church behind their backs. Bless and praise them openly before other people. Speak privately to them directly if there are issues. We cannot stress this enough. Bring a spiritual word to the church. Some come to the church expecting to give, not to be filled all the time. Invite and befriend people outside of the church community. Spend time with them. Share the gospel. And be the fifth gospel wherever you go. We will now go over some practical points about sharing our responsibility within our Christian community. As normal laymen, some of you think that you have very little responsibility in the growth or the direction of the church. You might think I'm just a hogman, a wife, a mechanic, or a carpenter. Indeed, some of you might think we just contribute in making money around here. And I can't knock you if you think that, but I just want you to think about my message this morning that it ought to be a lot more than just contributing to the money making money around here this type of thinking is not only destructive it is often filled with self-pity you are not only a very important member of the church but the church is dependent upon you for its very survival the Church of Altona needs every member here as a spiritual powerhouse, one that is dressed up and ready for battle. As we heard in the message last week about working or taking thine ease, what did that message do in your heart? For me, it spoke in a powerful way that we are, that what we are in our own, we are not what we are not our own, but we belong to God. We are dead and buried in baptism, not to live for ourselves anymore, but to live for Christ. How will that be practically worked out in, in every member? For me, it means living out Colossians 3 that we read, the whole chapter. How do you look at your local body that you're currently living in? Is it their church or our church? Have you thrown in your lot with that church? I mean everything. If you say yes, but, but have you really? Do you make it an effort to love the brethren? Do you have a critical attitude towards certain brothers or sisters? Do you talk evil about some brothers and sisters behind their backs? Repent. You cannot be held responsible for what you think other people are thinking about you, but you are responsible for your own heart. If you are not contributing physically and spiritually, you are guilty of tearing it apart. If you really love your wife or husband, would you willingly throw rocks and mud at them? The church is precious to God. It's the Lord's bride. Every member is part of that church. Don't throw mud at it. Lift it up. If you truly love them, lift them up. Are these activities 
struggling struggles and missions that the local body is involved in? Is it their struggles and outreach or ours? Do you have ownership in these things? Young people, do you have ownership in God's church? The success of God's church depends largely on all of us here. Our vibrant relationship with God, prayer, unity, and financial support. Let's examine our motives in the church. Our physical and spiritual responsibilities are so intertwined in a Christian community. What makes us click? What inner motivation makes you get out of bed, spend time in prayer, go to work on time, go to church, spend time with your spouse or play with your children? What makes you click? What makes you excited? Do you do these things for the right reason? Is it the fear of man that makes us do them? Is it the sense of duty to a church or family? Is it the fear of consequences? Or is it the weight of your spiritual responsibility because of your indwelling love of God? And all of us are are in a journey, and I'm not pointing fingers at anyone in these things, but let's examine our hearts and seek God that we might have the right perspective in these things. Ephesians 6, 6, Not what I serve as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. And I want to close with this about some more practical workings out of the church from day to day. We can ask ourselves, are the things that I'm doing or saying going to benefit or hurt the church in the long run? And we can ask ourselves, as you will, as we want to. It's, it's largely up to us what we keep busy with, what time I go to work and how much time I spend at productive work, what, what I spend personal money on, what we can talk about around our coffee meetings, what clothes I buy for myself and my children pertaining to our church agreements, how I respond or interact with my brother or sister, how I respond to the things that I know offends a brother or sister. Fill in the blank. The list goes on and on. These are important practical things that make a church function as a blessing or as a curse. And as most of, a, and most of it is as we will. Are we operating under the realm of our flesh and self or out of a love of Christ flowing through us? It's our choice. And in closing, I want to read 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and give a grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cared for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us out unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.